Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And guess what? What, Wesley? <laughs> My name's Wesley. <laughs> I was like, oh damn, really caught me slipping. You spoiled him. This week, we're joined by a friend of the pod, Nick Long. He hasn't been on since our, our last countdown episode. Actually, that's a total lie. He was on for our Halloween movie draft. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of become a little bit of a tradition where Nick just joins us to talk about our favorite movies of the year. And when I say tradition, I mean it's been two years in the running. So we're just going to keep it going every year now. I'm known for my cheery disposition and happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you the ultimate person to watch movies with, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to be talking about the wild world of 2022 in film. There's a lot that has come out. There's a lot that was great. There's a lot that was fine. There's a lot that was downright bad. Dog shit. Yeah, really bad. So we're going to be getting into all of it. Um, I love doing this episode because I feel like it's just such a fun way to just talk about multiple movies at once. And in particular, Mm -hmm. like stuff we might have missed on the show that we hadn't talked about. Like a lot of movies in my top 10, we just didn't do episodes on. And so I I feel like this is going to be a good opportunity to just kind of like chat about that. Yeah. But before we get into it, before we talk about the world of 2022 in movies, how was 2022 for for everyone here? Ass. I'm just kidding. Uh, It's actually pretty good. Um, I don't know. I would say 2022 is a weird year for me because I graduated and now I'm in the perpetual state of what do I do now? Yeah. Um, I'm very much just going through the motions. Um, and so I, it's awesome that I graduated, but at the same time now I'm like, well, fuck, um, where do we go now? I guess I'll just be a little barista boy and <laughs> live my life. Watch some movies. Watch some movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, not a bad year. Pretty it's a, good. It's a fine year. Nick, yeah. how, how was it for you? Ass. Only I'm not kidding. Hey. Yeah, no, this year sucked. Um, I graduated in 2021, so my entire year has been the, what do I, I do next? I see. <laughs> Only I didn't have like the nice thing of being like, oh, I graduated. <laughs> no, it's just like a dog shit year where I was just like hanging out. I mean, it was like unbelievably bad because I was, like I said, just hanging out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it wasn't like good. Right. It was just like a year. It, it, it is one of the years of all time. It is a year that <laughs> exists in our, in our life that will show up on the calendar when you look back at the time that you were alive, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, no, I can totally relate to that, actually. I think 2022 was kind of a throwaway year for me. I have some, I had a lot of really bad memories this year. I had some good ones. I traveled. I went on a, I went on a cruise ship. I went to Florida with my friends. That, that, those moments shine through. I'm like, I can't pretend that those things aren't awesome, because they were. Mm-hmm. But 2022 just kind of, yeah, just wasn't really it. Yeah, I wonder why. Aside from, aside from some, some movies and, and some good vibes that life gave me, I was just like, Oh man, can we uh, can we start over and get to twenty twenty three now? Yeah, it's a, it's a mid year. It's a mid year for everyone. Yeah. Um, but hopefully twenty twenty three will be better. I see everybody on their Instagram celebrating it. They're like twenty twenty two was one for the books. I'm like, I'm so happy for you guys. That's so that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Every time I keep seeing that shit, and no one, no one's been pissing me off. These motherfuckers post their their monthly recaps every month. Just oh to God. post the same fucking photos for their 2022 recap. Fuck you. The, like, actually go fuck yourself. I don't care, man. The people who, like, I love the people who are like, I bet that everyone on my Instagram wants to see what I've been doing for the past year. I, I did that last night. Care. I'm so guilty, man. I bet they all care about my life. I know you did, but you had some funny things in there. So That's true. There you had a gems. picture of us going to Gentle Minions dressed up. That was good. Gentle Minions movie. Um, but, yeah, the people who are just like, I bet you everybody wants to see, like, the Be Real compilations. Like, those are the funniest to me because it's like, ah, oh, my life's so interesting. Except all of them are like, you were laying in your bed. Yeah. 
All of these are just you laying in your bed. Be real. The problem with that app is that like they're gonna try and make a fun like memories of all your be real memories, but all my be real was like my face contorted in a weird way while <laughs> yeah. I laid in the bed and the sun beamed on my eyes. Like that app lasted about a month and a half on my phone. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, 2022. It was a mixed bag, but in regards to movies, the highs are extremely high. So let's let's get into the year, the movie year, a little bit, and just reflect on. 2022 as moviegoers. What what was your relationship with with the movie theater, with with film, and just in general this year? I watched movies. Yeah, that was my relationship. Just a couple. With films. Yo, let them cook. Let them cook. Crazy, I know, right? Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I I had some. There were some great movies this year. I think the interesting thing for me is that a lot of my favorite movies that we are in like my top three or five uh, of the year. Or movies that I saw before 2022. Yeah, Sundance kind of slid in there and fucked yeah. things up for me as well. Hayden and I, we watch like we'll watch the movies when they come out in the film festivals, like months before they actually come out. And so, um, like, there's movies where I'm like, "This is so good," and everyone's like, "How did you see that so early? It came out in the middle of this year." I was like, "No, I actually saw it the begin, the end of last year, or whatever." Right. Um, so I think it's been weird for me because a lot of my favorites are like these smaller movies I've realized. Like a lot of my favorites are these much smaller movies that nobody knows about or like movies that came out and people were like, whoa, this was so good. How did I hear about this? And I'm like, I watched it at a film festival like months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm just starting to realize that the kind of movies that I like to watch and the, the, I'm not a huge fan of like the big budget crazy things because Usually their plots aren't that deep or things like that. But then I watch movies that are like the plot is so deep and it's the most simple things. And I'm like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really starting to show me like what kind of movies I like, um, how I'm starting to have a bit of distaste towards Hollywood in general. Yeah. Um, uh, being a bit cynical of my own passions. Growing slightly jaded. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but overall, there were some uh, fantastic movies and some movies that, even though they weren't that good, I'm glad I saw. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I, I find myself more and more like drifting away from like mainstream like movies and like big box office hits. Um, speaking of my number one movie of the year, Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I do I I find myself more and more so like watching like indie movies or, or like in indie studios, but like. To say like even like something like A twenty four, they've gotten so prominent where it's hard to even call them independent. Where mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, I, I find myself like kind of shifting the way I feel about movies, like on a, almost like a day to day basis. I just know like main like no one in the world is gonna be thinking about the movie fucking Ambulance. No. Who gives a shit? Like who? <laughs> oh, no, oh no! Oh no! I'm just kidding. It's not on my list, but I actually did it's like Ambulance. Hayden sweating over there with number. I two actually did like Ambulance, but I'm it's sure not. It's, it's not here in this conversation. Like I'm sure it's fine, but like, it's who really ex- cares that much? You know, it's, it's an exhilarating Russia cinema right there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, find, I find myself. Like, I agree with Wesley. I, I try to find movies that are more made from the heart. They're thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I, I mm-hmm. totally agree with both of you guys. I think going into 2022, I was like still very much locked into like studio releases. And like it's uh, inevitably we're going to sound a little bit pretentious here saying this stuff by being like, yeah. you know, I don't think mainstream movies deserve the credit. Of course, I'll still go see them. And of course, I'll still have fun with them. But I do looking at my list of top 10 movies. I kind of notice immediately that it's all the from the heart stories that really yeah. left a mark with me in 2022. 
And it showed me a lot of like what my taste is. It really expanded my knowledge of the type of movies I'm into throughout the year of 2022. Cause there's big action blockbuster spectacle on here, but there's also just a lot of people talking in a room, on, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very common thing with my, my favorite movies. Um, how do you guys feel about the relationship between theatrical and, and streaming this year? Because now as of going into 2022, most movies will, will or play in going theaters. Going into 2023 you mean? Yeah. Sorry. Going into 2023 and coming out of 2022. I noticed a trend with most big movies Unless they were like Top Gun Maverick or Black Panther, which stayed in theaters longer because they could. Um, movies would play in theaters for like two weeks and then just be and dumped onto streaming services quietly and then just like removed from the conversation. Do you think that that approach to movies releasing is like is bad? It's bad for the state of movies? Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, the Glass Onion was in theaters for 10 days. Yeah. Where we live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not even two weeks. Not even where we live. Everywhere. Oh, really? Was yeah. that everywhere? Yeah, 10 days. Like, uh, if you didn't see it the week it came out, get fucked, idiot. Watch it on Netflix. Yeah, which it was dystopian when I fucking sat down in that theater and saw the big red N, and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Yeah, it's so weird when I go see movies that are made by Netflix, and I see the Netflix logo pop up up in the theaters. I'm like, what? That was Um, my first. But, like, yeah, Glass Onion's a really good example, like, of a movie that... It's almost like I feel like these companies expect that when they put it out into the theaters, it's not going to do well. And so they're like, we already have a plan to put it straight onto streaming. And I just don't understand. Like, I get that it's easier for families. Like, a lot of people do enjoy watching stream movies these days. And there's a lot of people who have, like, good home theater setups or whatever. But uh, I find that those straight to streaming or those streaming movies specifically, it's once again, like a huge money grab Mm -hmm. Uh, because you, if you missed those 10 days to go see in the theater, have fun paying for a subscription to Netflix that now you, to get premium Netflix costs like $21 a month. Right. Um, Which is insane because half the TVs in the world can't even handle HDR. That's what they like, or HFR and 4k. Right. Right. And that's what you pay for the premium for. Otherwise, you pay for, like, just generic and get ads, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, I feel like those movies that are being sent straight to streaming, people just expect them to do crap. It's The Glass Onion one is a weird one, too, because Netflix has talked a little bit about how they intentionally did that as a marketing ploy for the movie. They were like, this was not meant to be released theatrically. We did it because we knew it would draw out crowds. People would, there would be a conversation around it, and then the movie would drop on Netflix. But... Glass Onions enjoyed best with other people. Like, we saw it in a packed theater. Or not packed, but, you know, there was a decent amount of people in there. And it was, like, really fun. Like, everybody was yeah. laughing. Everybody yeah. was having a good time. And watching that movie at home, there's just lulls. There's places that the movie wants you to laugh. It wants, like, a communal experience, and you don't have it because you're watching it on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. And so the Glass Onion one's really weird because that movie feels engineered for theaters in every way, aside from the fact that it released on Netflix almost immediately. It's yeah. really weird. And I, I do tend to agree. Like, The Fablemans, two and a half weeks in theaters. Jeez. That's Steven Spielberg's movie. It, regardless of your thoughts on it, that's his ode to movie theaters, to mm-hmm. his love letter to, to cinema. And it was barely even playing in theaters, you know? Like, yeah. everybody's watching Steven Spielberg's big movie about movie theaters on their TV. And it just, I feel like it is a little bit weird. I feel like we've entered a, a period where they're just make they're trying to make their money back whenever way they can. And when it doesn't work in theaters, I get why they'd have to go to another direction, but it's just like, it's such a bummer to see movies just in theaters and then they're just gone. Yeah, I feel like the sad thing about it now is that like 
a lot of movies, it's either this is made for theaters and they people want you to see it in theaters, like Avatar 2. It's like, that is made for the theaters. Yeah. Go see it in the theaters or don't watch it at all. Like, that's what people are saying. Right. Compared to other movies where it's like they either get immediately sent to streaming or they're in the theaters for two months for like two weeks and then get sent to streaming right away it's like either or there's no in between now and so it's just it's upsetting to see because like every movie is meant for the theater don't make your movie for a home theater Mm -hmm. or like a tv at home because then it's not going to be as good right um make your movies for the place that's literally called a movie theater (laughs) right yeah same no, I, I I feel the exact same way. I think it's, you know, no filmmaker sets out to make a movie with the intentions of, I can't wait for people to watch this on their 40-inch television. I like, can't that's wait just for, not a sentence that comes out of people's mouths, I don't think. I can't wait for college students to lay in their bed and watch it on their iPads. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with their AirPods in. Yeah, on, this is perfect. On their Chromebooks. Their Chromebooks. <laughs> yeah. Watching Avatar The Way of the Water, how James Cameron intended. I only will ever watch Avatar The Way of the Water on the Google Flip phone. Right. <laughs> As you should. The bendable screen phone. Be- before we get into, like, our, our, some of our worst movies of the year, and then we, then we get into our, our favorite movies of the year. Um, how have our opinions on like movies we've liked changed throughout the year? Because 12 months with, sitting with something that you have an opinion on, it can mutate and morph into different opinions very quickly. Is there any movies that you watched that you were like, I really like this, and then as the year went on, you were just like, what was I talking about? This is not good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think one for me is definitely, um, it's definitely Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were mm-hmm. talking about this earlier, uh, that... Like, yes, it's got that spectacle, and yes, it's Jordan Peele, and it's like, oh, it's a good movie, but, like, the for me, the plot is very much lost. Like, the main point is very, or the underlying point that they're trying to make is so lost in the spectacle and craziness of it all, and, like, yes, it's a fun movie, but would I ever watch it again? No. Right. I have Fair very enough. little interest. I feel similarly about Nope. Uh, the way my uh, thoughts have changed about Nope isn't even the movie's fault because i watched the movie the first time and i didn't like it it was like a 5.5 maybe a 6 out of 10 for me mm-hmm. like it was okay it was it was again like not a movie i'd ever watch again yeah but the way people dogged on people who didn't like that movie just made me hate it more like it made me it made me think oh everyone hates or is like talking shit to people that like say like they don't get it which I got it. I got the message of the movie. It just didn't work. It's about spectacle, how people chase it. It's not good. It's not well executed. Mm-hmm. It, it misses the mark. And being like, oh, you just don't understand cinema. Or like, you're just not literate. I, I do like, I do hate what? that perspective and that argument. Because admittedly, I liked Nope quite a bit. Um, I think it's very good. And I do owe it a rewatch. It, on my first watch, I was pretty blown away by it. But I, I hate this argument where people are like, if you didn't like this movie... You're stupid. It's kind of popping up with everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody's starting to do that. I was drunk the other night messing around with Morgan, one, our friend who didn't didn't like the movie very much, and I was just like making jokes. But there's a real side of it where people are like, if you didn't like everything everywhere all at once, you're an idiot. And I, I hate those kind of discourses. And because, that's true. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, and if you didn't, you're actually dumb. Yeah. But like, yeah, I love that movie. But I think that people just like what they like, and there needs to be a little bit more respect towards that, you know? Yeah, like when I say I don't like Nope, I'm not saying I don't like the people who like it. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't it's like not that movie. for you. I'm yeah. not saying I don't like Jordan Peele. I yeah. love him. Right. I like both of his other movies. I love Keenan Peele. I think he's a very talented guy. I just don't like this movie. Right. Yeah, I think I think something that's becoming very prevalent 
uh, at least in my opinion, when I talk to people about movies, is they'll constantly say things like, um, oh, I didn't like this movie. And then everyone's like, you think this movie's bad? And it's like, no, I just didn't like it. There's right. a difference between not liking something and thinking that something is bad. Yeah, Nope's not bad. No, Nope was a good movie. I just... Like, not the biggest fan. That tends to be me for Don't Worry Darling. Like, I, I have a, a lot of opinions about that movie, but, like, people who like it, I'm not here to, like, hate on you. Or yeah, like I'm not going to be you. like, oh, you like that movie? Yikes. Like, it's, there's things about Don't Worry Darling where I'm like, this movie's well made. I just really don't like it. And mm-hmm. similar with Thor, Love, and Thunder. Uh, although I tend to lean towards that movie being bad. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't think it's very good. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I do think that that's kind of the one that I had the biggest shift towards when I saw Thor, Love, and Thunder. I was like, this was fun. It's an all right follow up to Ragnarok, and then since I saw the movie in theaters, I've just been like, "This is the worst MCU movie of all time." <laughs> it's like it's the MCU's dying gasp, is what this movie yeah, is. Yeah, you fucking hate that. I movie. do not like Thor: Love and Thunder. My biggest change was we all saw this together. It was Bros. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it, and I was like, "Oh, it's a very LGBTQ aware romantic comedy. It's really funny, <clears throat> or it, it wasn't. It's pretty funny, and, and you know, it was a fun time." And then like I like sat on it. I was like. No, that movie was, like, super gatekeepy, and the main character is, like, a piece of shit. Yeah. And he has no reason to be a piece of shit. See, in those... I, I fully agree with you that the main character is such a piece of shit. And, like, most of the time in those movies, it's like, oh, they're a piece of shit, and then they're not as much of a piece of shit in the end. He doesn't but change. there's no change. There's no character growth at all. The difference is he's He sings now, a country song. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. Is that he sings a song, and it's like, wow, what a romantic gesture. He's a different person now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Like, Bros was a good movie. I'm not going to lie. I did laugh a couple times in the theater. It's fu- I oh, it's enjoyed funny. myself. Um, but the longer I sat with it, the longer I was like, damn, that is so gatekeepy. Uh, and I was talking to my roommate, Sid, um, and she was like, yeah. The more I see with that movie, the more I hate it as well. Like, uh, it's just, I feel like it's a universal thing where a lot of people are like, wow, that was pretty good. And then they sit with it for long and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that was good. Right. But yeah, I can, I can agree that bros, when I first saw it, I was like, it's the funniest movie I've seen this year. And then like in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. good. It's yeah. Fine. Um, do we want to just rapid fire spout off some of the worst movies we've seen this year? Or do we want to just get into our, our actual favorites? I'll wrap it off some bad ones. The, all right. The one I talk about all the time, Titanic 666, baby. Yeah, I can't believe the we The fucking worst this. movie I've ever seen in my entire life, I think. It's um, up there. It's up there. It was so awful. The acting was so terrible. Um, the plot is so bad. Um, so awful to the families that died in the Titanic massacre and then came back for this shitty free movie I watched on Tubi. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The fucking captain, the actual genuine captain, they use his real name of the Titanic, what? is back as a fucking ghoul of a man. <laughs> so... His real name. Yeah, his <laughs> like it's it's him. No fucking so, way. These are the type of conversations that if you played it for a small Victorian child, uh, they would have uh, like a stroke. Yeah. They, they would like seize up. They'd be like, "Hold on, what are you talking about?" <laughs> um, yeah, no, Titanic six six six. Did we expect anything more from a movie called Titanic six six six? I don't even know why Hayden and I watched it. I really think it was out of pure boredom. Now I'll be fully honest with you. I did an episode of a podcast with Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies, and we talked about how bad that movie was going to be. And I think they just brought it up because they thought it was funny that it was coming out. Yeah. And then my brain absorbed the information, and I was like, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> like I was like, I'm actually going to watch it. 
And so, like, they were, like, we, like, reacted to the trailer on air on their podcast, and they were, like, this looks stupid. And then they moved on. And I actually checked out the movie. And, hoof, yeah. yeah, not good. Um, one that I hated was Halloween Ends. Um, yeah. I don't want to linger on it too long because I'm, I'm somehow we're 20 minutes into this episode already, and we do have to do what we're here for. But Halloween Ends, just, man, what a stinker for me. What a bad Halloween movie. Mm. Um, what a bad slasher movie wants so badly to be a love story between these two characters who I just don't care about a love story for. I spent half that movie like, where the fuck is Michael Myers? I saw it with Nick and I was like audibly reacting. Like, I think mm-hmm. I leaned over to him at one point. I'm like, what the fuck did we just pay money for? Like I was, <laughs> I was really frustrated with that movie because it just fails at everything. It's not a good slasher. It's not a good Michael Myers movie. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. And so that movie just left me feeling really deflated. I was like, I actually like the previous two in David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. So I was like rooting for them to end it in some way I cared about. And I just hated this movie. Yeah. I, I feel similarly. I, uh, I don't really have, I don't really see a lot of like bad movies this year, but Halloween was like dog shit. Yeah. It was, um, the only movie in a while that's maybe like mad in the theaters where I was like, man, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, are you like, really? Yeah. Really? This is what you chose to, to put the budget behind. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we just gotta, I gotta shout it out. A Morbus. Oh, Morbus. Yeah. (laughs) Morbin time, baby. I think the thing, baby, the thing about Morbius is it's become such a joke on the internet that at this point, I don't even know if I hate it anymore. I have like a really weird relationship with it where it's like a one and a half star movie, but I'm like, I love hearing people. T- I love hearing people talk about it's it. Like it's a one and a half star movie, but like I'd probably watch it again. It's kind of funny. I'd rather watch Morbius again than Thor: Love and Thunder. I'll be fully honest with you. Oh, and one more I got to shout out is uh, Men. Oh yeah, you um, hated Men. Men oh, man. sucked. I remember seeing trailers of that movie back. Man, that's like the first like real stinker I've seen come out of A twenty four in a while. Like, I get what they're trying to say, and it's a valid point. They're trying to be like men are terrifying. How can you miss it? Like how can you miss what they were trying to say? That's the thing. That is all the movie says. It's like it's like men are bad, and it's like and what else? What else is there? There's nothing else to that movie, and it's just so empty. And it's not even scary, honestly. Like most of the scary elements are just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's just like ew. Like there's a moment where the dude gives birth to himself five times. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just fucking disgusting. Like, no way. It's not even like Yeah, I went catatonic spooky. on like birth on birth number three. Yeah, it's just like, all right. It just keeps happening. I'm here for this. And it's not even like, it's, I don't know. It's, it was really odd and I did not like that movie. Yeah. I, uh. Fucking men suck. Apparently, man. Men Apparently. N- not apparently. A fact, men suck. I already knew that movie. <laughs> nice try. Thanks, Alex Garland. You yeah. didn't teach me anything here. Uh, last one I'm going to spout off for really bad. Um, Blonde the Marilyn Monroe biopic. Mm. And I don't really have a lot to say about it aside from just like what a disrespectful, gross movie that wants so badly to make a commentary on how women were abused and manipulated in that industry while it abuses and manipulates a woman in that industry. Just like completely hypocritical, completely backwards. The only thing it has going for it in its three-hour runtime is Ana de Armas, who's pretty good. It's three hours? It's three hours. Three hours of Marilyn Monroe being put through, like, torturous scenarios. It's really awful. Wow. Yeah, not Fun. good. Uh, so that's that's it for some of the bad ones. Also, Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio. Uh, Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio. Very good. It Recommend. Slaps. Recommend. The, honestly, my favorite, the, honestly, the best version of Pinocchio I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis, How the Mighty Have Fallen, the guy who directed Back to the Future, amongst other hits. Right. Um just a real bad movie. Just a real bad movie. 
All right. Let's get more optimistic. Let's get mm. a little bit more positive. Let's talk about everything we loved from the year of 2022. Um, we're going to go around. We're going to do our top tens. And we're just kind of going to do, do a little bit of a circle. Does anybody want to start? Does anybody have a top ten? Me. All are right. We, wait, wait. Are we starting from the bottom? Start, start from ten. Yeah. yeah counting yeah. down to one. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, number ten. After I was talking shit on big box office movies that had huge budgets. The Glass Onion. <laughs> um, my, I'm, my, had the tables of two. I'm a walking, topping, topping, talking piece of shit. I guess I top too. Fuck it. Um, yeah, Glass Onion's a good movie. It's a fun mystery. It's just like, it's, you know, it's a sequel to Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Knives Out's a great movie. It's a fun movie to, like, watch with your family. Watch it, like, I watched it in a packed theater too, and it was really enjoyable because people, like, were, like, gasping at, like, the little revelations. I will say... Um, there's like small things uh, that you can notice throughout the movie that you can solve the mystery yourself. I know. Well, like at one point, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler. So the main, the guy who Edward Norton plays, uh, swaps drinks, uh, with a character who's allergic to um, pineapple, and he gives him a pineapple drink, and then they can't find his phone after he's having going into anaphylactic shock. And if you like look closely, you can see uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton's character has an extra phone in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I was like, oh, that's weird. They must have just... And then it, it turns out later, like, the revelation is, oh, he had the phone the whole time. And I was like, oh, shit, I saw that, like, 40 right. minutes ago. Yeah. That's I, really cool. I think the coolest thing about Glass Onion, and Ryan Johnson's talked a little bit about this, is, like, the mystery is very simple. And it's it's purposefully so simple. That's the whole idea of, like, the Glass Onion. Is It's just, like, there's layers to it, but at its core, it's just a very simple thing to find, right? Yeah. And... That whole movie's mystery is, like, really easy to understand. It's just the way he edits and directs the movie is so well done where you just have no idea what the actual mystery is. Yeah. Honestly, shout out to the best scene in that movie when um, Daniel Craig is playing Among Us with Steven Soddenheim as one of the people <laughs> on that Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, it was the last thing he filmed before the he passed away. The last on-screen uh, appearance of Steven Soddenheim is him playing Among <laughs> Us. That's fantastic. That rocks. R.I.P. King. <laughs> Rip. Oh, yeah. All right. What do you got, Hayden? Uh, my number 10. I was really torn between two movies. Uh, I'll just spout one of them off as an honorable mention. I'm sad I didn't make the list. But my number 10 is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Selected mm. uh, by Helena Regine. Dude, this is a a blast. This movie, I had no expectations from it. I'll even go as far to say the trailer for it's quite bad. And it led me to think that this movie was going to stink. I thought this was going to be like a look at how much millennials in this generation just suck. Mm. Uh but it, it's not at all like that. It's actually a very funny, like, hectic, at times, good horror movie, even though it's not really trying to be a horror movie. It's kind of like a decoy, like, baits you into thinking it's going to be a horror movie. But it's just a fun mystery. That Funny enough, our tens are both mysteries. But this one just keeps you guessing the whole time until you get to an, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, and just an absolutely bonkers reveal about what's been going on the yeah. whole night. Mm-hmm. The movie is... It's got a great cast, like a really good ensemble cast of just young talent who I can't wait to see their careers continue to to expand. But I just had a blast with this. And it's really cool to see A24 step a little bit away from what would be perceived as pretentious and just make a very fun comedy that uses horror as like a vessel to explore what it actually wants to explore. I had, I had a blast with Bodies, 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 and I immediately went to go see it a second time, like right after seeing it in theaters. So wow. that. I always have to like pay attention to that when I'm picking a movie for this list. It's like, how many times did I want to go see that in theaters? Mm-hmm. And Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is just a really fun time. And if you watch it with people who haven't seen it, 
they'll just have a great time. Before you told me it was good, because you saw it a little bit before me, I was going to see it as like a hate watch because the trailer sucked mm-hmm. that much yeah. dick. It's like, a oh, bad trailer. I'm not going to like this, but I want to go see these like unlikable bastards get killed because I just assumed it would be like a slasher. So yeah, sure, I'll go see this. And then you're like, oh no, it's like great. I yeah. was like, what? Yeah. And you're like, no, it's fucking great. I was like, all right, I'll go see it. I was really stunned by my reaction to it. I, I thought it was fantastic. So that's my number 10. It's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number 10 is not a mystery, but uh, is women talking. Which nice. technically isn't in theaters yet. Yeah, it was, supposed to, it was supposed to release in theaters early December, and then they pushed it yeah. to January. So it's technically still a 2022 movie. Um, but Hayden and I saw this at, what film festival did we see this at? At Finn. Was it a Finn? Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw this movie, and I was just really blown away by um, somehow they make it where literally a movie that is solely women talking in one room, and that's it, is the most like engaging, interesting, uh, introspective thing. And I really think it's through just like the setting of it all, um, of how it's a group of women who are in an Amish commune who don't know the world as well as we do. And so being put in their shoes and, like, seeing how they, like, deal with these ideas uh, of society and what would happen if they left and all these things, like, is so interesting and engaging. And a stellar cast they have. Oh, yeah. Fantastic um, cast. To hold it down. So I really like this movie. Uh, I was, like, sitting there so engaged in the theaters. Um, so when that one comes out, I highly recommend checking that one out. So good. What's been really funny about the women talk, women talking conversation is like all the performances here are really like worthy of the award in their own right. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny that there's no way to nominate them because it's just like who's going for best supporting, who's going for best lead. Everyone's a supporting actress in this movie and they're all on the same level. Yeah. It's really funny. Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley. It's just great cast. What's really a bummer about our screening experience with this is Sarah Polly was going to be there, the director, yeah. uh, and a storm prevented her from showing up. So she had to make a little last minute video and just be like, hey, sorry, I couldn't come. And I was like, damn, this is one of the big award season contenders. It would have been so cool to like see it with the director there. Yeah. Nevertheless, fantastic movie. I'm excited to hear what people think about it when it releases. Mm-hmm. You, you said women talking conversation. That made me laugh. Just a comment. <laughs> yeah. The women talking, having a conversation. Yeah. No, literally. When I, I think when we left this this movie, uh, I was like, hey, and I was like, well, there's definitely a lot of women talking. They do be talking. They do be talking. For sure. And they be saying some real shit. And that's Fact. the commentary you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> on to number nine. <laughs> I think that's actually, if you go on Letterboxd, which... Fun fact, Letterboxd is down today. This is like yeah. crippled us as movie reviewers. It's really devastating. Hayden and I were like panicking before this episode started because I was like, my whole list is on there and I don't remember what it was. I know. And like I wanted to, to name the worst movies. I wanted to name some honorable mentions and I just couldn't remember my list. Letterboxd is back up now. I just checked. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just yeah. checked. So here we are. We're all good now. Uh, yeah, my review on Letterboxd for that movie is there do be women talking. <laughs> uh, guess who didn't get crippled by this shit? Because I use my notes app. Yeah, yeah. Notes app legend here coming at you. Speaking of that, I have written at number nine, uh, Pearl. Pearl, the movie Pearl. Uh, Here are my thoughts on Pearl. Pearl is a movie that came in number nine on my top ten. It's number nine on my top ten because I like the movie Pearl, and Pearl comes (laughs) in at nine. Now you (laughs) No, we have to talk about Pearl for a minute. I don't know. I think everything that's you could say about Pearl has been said. It's like a deconstruction. It's almost like a Disney princess movie. If the princess was just like this twisted fucker, yeah, like she's 
this sick murderous son of a bitch and she like truly believes she's the main character and she she's a will star do, she's a star and she'll do whatever it takes uh you know to prove that she's a star and to quote unquote make it uh out of the farm be a dancer and to know after watching x that she doesn't succeed she does all these things and still fails uh honestly makes the movie more enjoyable i think you should watch x first yeah i i've always been curious about how pearl would play before x but i do think that x first works better but uh, yeah i think knowing that she fails at the end she does all these things and still fails is satisfying Mm -hmm. actually even though pearl is very likable you aren't rooting for her you're not rooting against her but you just kind of want to see what she does yeah because she's so unhinged and fucked up yeah uh-huh. that you're just watching her do her shit and you're like damn you never know when she's gonna like kill like what's gonna snap with her she snaps very randomly she has these things that just kind of like send and her she, off and she snaps very early yeah she snaps at like the 20 minute mark yeah most horror movies don't start until like 40 minutes like she snaps early and just keeps on snapping and snapping and snapping damn what I what I love about Pearl is like, and I know it's been said so many times, and there's not much original to say about it, but the whole Wizard of Oz Disney princess tone that they go for it is like really effective. And there's a it. scene with a scarecrow that's just like it lives in my head, head rent free. It's like absolutely disgusting, and it feels like you're watching a Disney movie if it was the most repulsive, vile thing of all time. It's really funny. Um, Ty West is really onto something with his whole X trilogy. Yeah, I can't wait for the third one. I know. I think it's going to be great. And I, I think Pearl is actually better than X. And that took me a oh, while. It, it took me a while to form that opinion. But I was like, yeah, Pearl is I, really good. I watched Pearl right away. I was like, oh, it's better. Yeah. I like X. X is well, it's not in my top 10. X is like probably like 11th or 12th for mm-hmm. my movies of the year. But uh, yeah, to to uh, to conclude, uh, Pearl is my ninth favorite movie of the year. And it came in nine of my top 10 movies. <laughs> and because of that, I put Pearl at number nine. <laughs> Fair. Not much more you can say there. Yeah, yeah. Got me there. And this has been the Diamond Movie Cast. Thank you for listening. Yeah, that's it. This, this that's is top tier podcasting. Uh, my number nine is The Banshees of Anna Sheeran, directed by Martin McDonough. This movie is a, a wonderful exploration of a, of a friendship that came to an end. We've talked about it for an hour and like 10 minutes on this podcast. Yeah. So to hear my thoughts on that movie, you just have to check that episode out. I, but I really loved it. And actually... As we were talking at the beginning about movies that I've liked less as the year goes on, Banshees of Inisherin is the opposite. When yeah, I first I, saw it, I was like, this movie's good. I don't know where it is in my list. And then just all the pictures I see pop on my Instagram feed, all the little quotes I think about, I'm like, this movie is in my top 10. This movie really rules. Good. It's so funny. Um, it's so dark. It's like pitch black humor. And I just found it to be an absolute, absolute ride start to finish. And it's, it mm. has to be my number nine for that reason. Yeah, it was really good. We Yeah, we had a whole episode about that once. So if you want to hear us talk lots about the, that, check the, out the episode. Yeah, there's a couple movies here where we'll talk for them longer and really get into our thoughts on them, but then there's a few where we're just going to have to be like, hey, we, we already talked about this, so go check that out. Um, my number nine movie is Broker, um, which is a movie that very few people have seen, too. I was going to say, I haven't even heard of it. Exactly. <laughs> um, it was a movie that uh, we watched at, I think, the Finn film festival as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's essentially got the, it's got the dad from parasite in it and he's the main actor. Um, and it's an interesting story about these two guys who essentially, so I, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've read this fact. 
and I think it's in Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, the that, baby boxes. Yeah, so in Korea, there's this law where um, if somebody gives up their baby for adoption but leaves a note that says, I'll be back, they can't legally give that baby up for adoption um, because the mother hasn't given consent to give it away. The mother's saying that I'm coming back for this child. I can't take care of it now. Um, but that ends up leaving a lot of kids like not being able to be adopted and just left in orphanages. Like apparently out of the 40 women that this happens with, like four of them will actually come back for their kid. Um, and so it's this, it's this incredible movie that's almost like a family comedy with a weird dark side underneath to it, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but it really, it was very moving for me. I, I found it very interesting to have this like family comedy. It's almost like a family road trip, but with a group of people who aren't related at all mm-hmm. and are doing like questionable things and yeah. kind of, it leaves you to make your own judgments on what they're doing. If it's right, if it's wrong sort of thing. Exactly. Uh, cause it's, it's very interesting to think about the fact of like, are these people doing the right thing? The two main guys, um, they're taking this child and trying to find a home for it, which is technically illegal. But it gives this kid a chance to have a family and a life. Right. Versus the cops that are following them, who it's like, yes, it's illegal, but the cops are going to essentially make this kid not have any life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a very interesting, like, the end leaves it very vague up to, like, you decide what's right or wrong kind of thing. Um, but it was really good. I, I loved it. Broker asking the central question of, is it okay to sell children on the black market if you care about their well-being? Yeah, is it okay to sell kids if it's going to be beneficial for them? Right. Uh, I think this is a great movie. I think it also has one of my favorite scenes of the year. Like the scene, I don't want to spoil for anybody. It's The movie's not really out yet. But the scene where all the characters say thank you for being born. It's like a, a yeah. big scene where everybody's saying the same line of dialogue over and over. It's just very moving. And I found that, that movie to be incredibly impactful. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Nick, when it comes out, you should definitely check it out. I is, think you'd like it. Is it foreign language? Should, like, is it like, yeah, a it's Korean, Korean movie? Yeah, cool. it's Korean. Cool. Really good. Uh, number eight. What do you got for Ooh. number eight, Nick? Um, the Banshees of Inishirin. Nice. Um, nice. It has to pop up. I'm actually the first person uh, to list this. If you think Hayden said it before me, you're listening out of order. I don't know how you did that. Yeah, liar. Um, I actually edited those two, switched them around. Yeah. Uh, he got me. He goofed me. He yeah. goofed and gaffed me. Anyway, uh, everything Hayden said about this movie is actually bullshit. I just like their silly little accents. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that's it. That's why I like Banshees of Inishirin. Holy fuck. What a review. See, yeah. Holy fuck. I, and when he did that, I was LOLing, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Had so, me rolling. That made me raffle content. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, the movie's really good. It really is. Like, I've had friendships that have like ended out of the blue, too. Um, and uh, it, it does I've been nail on, that was, feeling. I've been on both sides of that. And like the feeling of being like uh, Colin Farrell's character, uh, Patrick, is it? Uh, it's Padre. Padre. Yeah, Padre. Yeah. yeah. He's even he's even more of a banshee than I thought. This is a recurring um, joke on our pod where we did this too, where I'm just completely butchering the pronunciation, and Wesley's just saving me every time. It's like Padre uh, and Colm and uh, Inishirin, not Inishirin. But yeah, being being like Colin Farrell's character and like having like your best friend be like, yeah, we're done. You didn't do nothing. It's just like we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I can't do it no more. So sorry, sorry, bro. Yeah, tough. And uh. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say that Hayden didn't, so I won't keep you too long. In fact, I'll give it over to Hayden. Well, wow, thanks, Nick. What a pass. What a pass. Passed it. Um, okay. 
No, I before I move on, I do agree with everything you said there, and I feel like that movie I described on our, on our episode about it, like that movie is like a breakup movie through the perspective of friends. Yeah, and I think it's just it's such an effective thing because it plays with some of the cliches of breakup movies too, and it's just it's really smart. Yeah, um, I've been on both sides of that too. The side where I where my friend says I don't want to be friends with you, and the side where I cut my fingers off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, as one does. Yeah, yeah, you ever done that? Wesley only has two moods. I only have two moods, uh, crying about my dead donkey and cutting my fingers off. Damn. <laughs> Out of context, both of those things make no sense. Anywho. Gotta watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, my number eight it had to be in here. Um, my number eight is Barbarian by Zach Krieger. <sighs> Why'd you... That was like it so... It had to be in here. I was so excited to say it. You're like... It had to be in here. I know. Um, you said that like you were just like coming out. Like, <laughs> I have to say this. Like you're like you're making like a YouTube video. The pause. It was really the pause. I yeah, have like, to say it. You're like you're like a like a British YouTuber in like 2018, and like you're teary eyed and you're acting like it's not like normalized at it. this point. Like okay, I have to say it, and you're like crying. It's like it's normal, man. It's, it's <laughs> no. like it's you like, can like barbarian. People are, people are okay with that at this point. It's fine. We're we're it's not the 60s. Um, yeah, no barbarian, man. I mean. This movie is just a fucking wild ride. I think when we first came back for season four back in September, I briefly mentioned how much I loved this movie. And I may have overhyped it and oversold it for Wesley. That's yeah. my bad. I'm a man. I can admit when I made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> that was that was my fault. But I will say, this movie is the best horror movie of the year for me. I think the way it walks the line between being a slow burn, suspenseful thriller and I don't really want to spoil it for people because if you haven't seen it, you don't deserve to have it spoiled. But just a full-on fucking monster movie. Just like it, it's got everything that I'm really looking for. It's tonally like if Sam Raimi and like just the most like bleak slow burn directors direct, like fused their movies together. Like a Hitchcock movie fused with a Sam Raimi movie. Inject it in my veins. You know what I mean? I'm, mm. all, I'm all here for it. I think this movie has great casting. Bill Skarsgård's little stint in this movie is is really wonderful. Um, and I just was left after we did, or after I watched this movie, I so badly wanted to talk about it on the podcast, but it didn't strike me as a movie that we could have like a long in-depth conversation about. So instead I'm just here to say barbarian fucking rules. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's on Disney plus funny enough. What? I know it's, I don't know how that happened. It's yeah, on it's Disney really plus. Funny. It's really funny. What the heck? Um, it's just a great horror movie and it's just a, a, a wild ride. That once you're strapped in for it, like you'll have no idea where it's going. I I have made jokes with people about like try and predict where Barbarian is going from the first scene because you just won't. Nobody who sits down for that movie is gonna be able to be like, yeah, I think I know where this is headed. This is about to like it's just like you have no idea. Yeah. Um, you think you know where it's going until you get the Justin Long jump scare, dude. That that's <laughs> also one of the best smash cuts I've seen too, yeah. like in like a very long time. It's like the most bleak shit that you're watching, and then all of a sudden, just Justin Long driving around LA, like singing his heart out. Uh, funny as fuck, man. The scene, really quick, where Justin Long is using the tape measure and going deeper and deeper into the dungeon um, because he's just totally ignorant to what's going on around him. Yeah, the yeah. fact that he Googles, can you use, can you like <laughs> rent just... out a random dungeon in your basement as extra space, as extra floor space? <laughs> it's amazing. And I think like one thing I constantly keep saying about my picks is that, like they're super funny in like a dark sense. Um, I guess that's good year for dark humor for me, I guess. 
but yeah, no, I was rolling at scenes in this movie from like laughing so hard. But then on top of that, it's effectively scary and effectively thrilling in its own right. So Barbarian, my number eight. Um, I feel like we might end up talking about it a little bit more with your list, but I don't want to spoil it. So we'll find out. <laughs> we will indeed. Um, my number eight is uh, Avatar The Way of Water. Ooh, it slid in. It Whoa. slid in for me. Um, Sell out. Yes, sadly, a big sellout boy over here. Bro likes mainstream movies. Fuck. Um, I I really had to think about this because I was like, is Avatar gonna be in there? Yes, the plot is pretty simple and nothing crazy, but when I think about it, like, I sat through that three hour long movie or three and a half or however long it was, um, and I was engaged and entertained and visually mind blown uh, mm-hmm. for the entire time. Um, it's a great movie, and yes, the plot's nothing crazy. We've already talked about this one, too, so you can check out our episode on it. I won't talk about it too long. Um, but just visually, it was so stunning, and it's great to see, um, a lot of the times you get, like, reboots of the classic movies, because this is kind of like a reboot, but not really. Um, a re-sequel, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's... Well, a lot of times you get those reboots or the sequels to old movies. They're just not as good. Right. Um, This one is just as good as the first Avatar movie, if not better. I agree. I lean towards the better. Yeah. For for, yeah. So I I was just like so happy to be back in this world of Pandora and to explore more of it and to see what else it had to offer. Um, So yeah, I I put it at number seven. Nice. Um, I feel like you don't have to love Avatar. But, like, one thing that nobody can take away from James Cameron is that Pandora is a sick-ass world. It's and that, like, so cool. You just, you you want to spend time there. Regardless if you care about the narrative, regardless if you care about anything, it looks so good. And I'm just like, I would live here, for you sure. Are, you are lying. If you don't say that you wish you were an Avatar person, um, and you can, or one of the Na'vi, I think it's called, and you could have a flying pterodactyl as your pet and creature that you can ride around on. It's pretty metal. That's like it's cool. so metal. The fact that they just connect with animals and are like their I hair, yeah. yeah, just like all right, we're we're one now. Yeah, cool it's stuff. Crazy. He's really good at world building, even if he's not so great at you know writing the the fully fleshed out narrative. World building, world building, and visual wise, incredible. Yeah, phenomenal. next next level. Yeah. Um. My number seven. Well, you just skipped Nick. Oh wait, Jesus. yeah, my bad. Sorry, I was... No, it's all good. Hey yo, um, I did. So. <laughs> Uh, my number seven is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Nice. Love that movie. Speak on it for a minute, yeah. Um, I didn't mean to hog all the spotlight on that movie. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it a little see, bit. I just think the movie, I think it's like maybe like the most fun movie of the year. Uh, it's very carefree, even though like serious dark shit happens. It, there's this like a humor that permeates throughout the movie and like there's misunderstandings and they don't, they don't communicate well. And I think that's a lot of what like the commentary this movie's making is, and this movie's not trying to make commentary really, but like, it does one, have a message, though. Yeah, yeah, the message is like, wow, more than anything, the younger generation just doesn't know how to communicate, just which is true. To get through each other. We yeah. just don't know how to communicate. And I just want to make a comment because I was looking up the cast because uh, I always forget her name, but uh, Rachel uh, Sennett. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. She's the best part of every movie she's in. Uh-huh. Um, she have a baby this. She carries this movie so hard. She's so fucking funny, man. Uh and then I also think Pete Davidson did a really good job. I do too. I actually really liked Pete Davidson but in this movie. As as you guys were talking, I went down an unfortunate rabbit hole where I clicked on Pete Davidson uh, as one of the cast, and 
top story was Rebecca Black jokes about packing Pete Davidson. So I had to read a bit. Um, Damn. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Stop everything. Yeah. I. I. am I'm back now mentally. <laughs> I think. I think the biggest problem with the movie is for me, is um I really didn't like B. At oh, all. Uh, Maria Bakalova's character. I didn't really like her. Yeah, that's valid. It was strange. Yeah. Um, didn't really land for me. I didn't dislike her at all, but I didn't you know, connect with her as like a main character. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if they had have stuck with um, what's her name? Uh, her character's name. Well, well maybe basically like the main like uh, love interest for Oh me. yes, yeah. If yeah. they had kept her as like the main character. I think I would have connected more because she's like a recovering addict and mm-hmm. she has like a past with all the other people in this movie where B's just like this outsider. Yeah, that's true. Is uh, why you're supposed to connect with B because like, oh, well, we don't know these people either, but... She's kind of like you. You're like, you're being thrust in this crazy yeah. friend group, you know? Like, it's kind of like, she's like the surrogate for like the audience. I think, I think dramatically the most interesting part of the movie was learning what happened between... Uh, I want to say her name was like Rachel or some shit in the movie. Oh, uh, Emma. Emma. Emma and Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. The main, yeah, Emma, like, seeing what happened between Emma and uh, her friends, and like, oh, she was an addict, and her friends told her parents, and then she got mad at her friends, and then dropped off the face of the earth for, like, two years. Mm-hmm. And then learning all that, like, past, and all their baggage was really interesting. It unravels so slowly, too. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. You, you don't, like, learn everything until, like, we're about, like, 20 minutes to the end of the movie, and you find it, like, oh, shit. She used to like hook up with one of the people in the friend group too, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It I think just unravels, yeah. But I think even though you're like having this heavy shit unravel, it's still a fun movie. It's so fun. I mean, like, there's some really crazy laughs here for me. Like the scene where Rachel Rachel Sand is talking about her podcast. Um, I felt seen. I felt That's heard. So funny. I felt like I felt valued. <sighs> Um, <laughs> I also think the scene where, uh, where Lee Pace's character, Greg gets up and starts running around like a werewolf is just unironically like the best moment of oh. 2022. And also it's, it's, he's only in there for a cameo at the end, but, uh, Connor O'Malley fucking underrated comedian. He's the goat. Oh yeah. He does just show up right. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I he shows up for like a minute at the end, but I, I love seeing him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Bodies, bodies, bodies is such a blast. I hope more people check it out because it just deserves all the attention it can get. Maybe I'll watch it. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. Jeez. My uh, my number seven. It's just cinema, man. It's Top Gun Maverick. Oh, uh, all right. I'm gonna hop on here. You want to talk? Too. Yeah, Mine's talk also about it. number seven is also oh, Top perfect. Gun Maverick. Works out. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, what more is there to be said about this movie? We we already had a whole episode on this movie. Uh, watch it. We actually really funny anecdote. We talked about Chippendale Rescue Rangers for longer than we talked about Top Gun. It's one of my biggest shames as a podcaster. <laughs> that movie rocked. It did. It, it did does. Rock. It did rock. Exactly. Um. But yeah, Top Gun, incredible cinema film. Uh, Tom Cruise jumping out of airplanes to be like, "Thanks for coming to watch the movie. See you at the movies. See you at the movies. It's the best. Jumping out of airplanes." Incredible. I yeah. love it. I mean, this movie really did save movie theaters, and like we can't take that away from it. I think in a time where movie theaters were like really people just didn't care, Top Gun Maverick made like two billion dollars. People who hadn't been in the movies in decades were going to see this with their dad, and they were just like, Yo, we're firing up Maverick together. Let's yeah. do this. This movie just united people. It was really interesting to see the way it just brought families and friends together. It was just like a huge communal movie experience, and it's also like unrelentingly epic. Like the whole movie just rules and it's just constantly funny it's constantly just ripping it's so good so why do you guys think it did do so well because i'm I'm that was something that i always see people talk about it and it is a really good movie like shockingly good Mm -hmm. right because like 
far better than it had any right to be, for sure. Yeah, right? But, like, why do you think it resonated so hard with so many people it's and made really good so question. many people want to go see it? I think it is, like you were saying, Hayden, it's the generational gap. Like, because you've got the adults who have seen, like, the parents who have seen Top Gun um, and the kids who maybe have watched it when they were younger but they saw this new one and they were like, this looks awesome. Like it's the generational gap that's bringing families together and bringing them to the movies. I think that's I think on. is one of the bigger parts of it. The second plot is the secret military propaganda behind it all. Yes. <laughs> no one's talking about it, but Tom Cruise wants you to join the air force yes. so you can be buff and sweaty and play volleyball on the beach too, or football. I mean, Man, I see wish... this rule book. We're throwing it out. Cause the enemy's seen all the rule books as well. Exactly. <laughs> No, it's it's a really good movie, and I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing was that, and also, like, it was a huge summer blockbuster, like, and it's such, like, a summer movie that everyone was like, this is perfect, this is amazing, and who doesn't like fucking planes? I, I, think, <laughs> I think you're, yeah, you're right. Um, Tell me one person who doesn't like planes. I do think it's the generational thing, though. I do think it's the fact that, like, a dad and his son or vice versa, whatever, whatever, could go see this movie without having needed to see 22 other movies in the MCU. Yeah. You know, like it's the ability to say, I watched Top Gun when I was younger and I loved it. And then for you to also say, I like Top Gun too. Let's go see, let's go see Maverick. Um, and it's just like, it's a fully complete story that you don't need to have seen hundreds of other movies to be invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think you're right. I think it's also just the summer. People just want it. They were like, fuck yeah. Planes in the summer. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a really great movie and I, we talked all about why it's great on the pod. So got to go listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Nick, number six. Northman. Ooh, dude. Yes. Viking go. go. <laughs> I, that's, this gotta be my favorite, like action. It's not even like an action movie. It's like a slow burn revenge Viking film. Yeah. But there's like some like unreal one take long cut action shots at the start of the movie. Uh, before that happens, and then, like when that is like our main character starts actually executing his revenge, then it also becomes like very actually. But like, mm-hmm. so you're getting like action for like ten minutes of start, ten minutes at the end. Between that, there's eighty minutes of just like a guy plotting and yeah. like making moves, and like there'll be like a one minute scene where like kills a person, but it's like not like a cool action spectacle way. It's in a way where like. He sneaks into a house and like slits their throat and then cuts up their body and hides it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, or like, no, he'll like find someone. He'll like gut them in their tent and like hang them up on a cross. And you're like, oh shit. Yeah, I think it's not most... fun violence. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, nasty. it's not. It's it's very. Uh, it's it's not justifying violence at all. It's honestly a pretty anti-violence movie. I would I would I would think, which is interesting because it's a Viking movie because our character reflects a lot on the things he's done. After meeting like his love interest while he's in prison, like in plotting for his revenge, and he regrets a lot of his things that he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a very good movie. I think you're right. I think it does navigate like being like a huge historical epic and also kind of like condemning the things that historical epics often well, like glorify. Well, it's mm-hmm. also it's like a historical ep- epic where like the main character is like regretful for the things they've done and they know what they've done is wrong, but. To which, achieve their goals, they'll keep doing it. Yeah, which is w- crazy to see in, like, a Viking movie. That's the thing, yeah. too. Like, they're known for being so ruthless and, cr- like, insane. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a, there's a, towards the end of the movie, there's a point where he's escaped. He's with his, uh, like, 
basically his new wife. Uh, she's pregnant, and they've he's basically killed the man who's like tormented him. Like it's his uncle. He's killed that man's like whole family, and he could leave. It's basically just his uncle alone on the island, and they're on the ship, and he decides, no, I'm gonna take this to the grave. And he goes back to finish the uncle, and he knows he's gonna die. Yeah, he's yeah. had these premonitions. He knows if he does this, he'll die, but he knows that his family tree is secure, mm-hmm. so he doesn't care. He's like, I have made these decisions. I'm gonna live with these regrets my whole life. I have to finish things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie's so definitely just like, look at how futile revenge is. Look at how, look at how useless. Yeah. and how it leads you back to the same point that you could have gotten away from. Like he really could have had a happy life with somebody who who loved him, and instead. Revenge it just brings you back to the same point every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's also the only time that Robert Eggers will ever be given ninety million dollars to make a movie in his life. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> it's just the, never gonna the happen. The movie again. bombed. It bombed so hard, and that's because you gave Robert Eggers ninety million dollars, and it, he's just like he's a super indie filmmaker. They, I mean, it's also like what it came out in February. Yeah, it was February, um, January, March, March. Yeah, March. Okay, it's like the first. The first, like, two, three months of the year, most movies don't make that much. It's true, yeah. January so, and February are, like, the struggle months in the theaters. Yeah. I don't know. They kind of set him up for failure. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I think his next movie is, like, Nosferatu. And so that's going to be a low-key. He doesn't need that big budget again. No. Yeah. He's going back to where to his roots. But I'm so glad that he got to make this movie, even if it never happens again. I'm like, yeah. Robert mm-hmm. Eggers made a blockbuster, and it's sick. Yeah, and it's a fucking... It's the best... Second best blockbuster of the year. Yeah. Hmm. Um, wonder oh. what the best one is. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. My number six. The city streets are crowded for the holiday, even with the rain. Hidden in the chaos is the element, waiting to strike like snakes. Yo. It's Matt Reeves as Batman. You're literally Batman. You're literally Batman. I'm literally him. He's literally That's me. <laughs> yeah. Can I hop on here with you too? Yeah. I, no, I, my number five's Batman. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it together yeah. then. Um, we also have done an episode on this, so like I've talked mm-hmm. a lot about it, but Batman is one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah. Grew up, I've been dressing like Batman since I was four years old, um, and I think that there's so many great Batman movies that have come out over the years, and I'm not going to take that away from a bunch of them. But I will say that my sensibilities, as somebody who loves dramas, as somebody who loves, you know, serial killer movies and, like, detective movies, um, this movie is everything I've kind of ever wanted from a Batman movie. It slaps. It, it's... Yeah. It's perfect to me. To, to permeate how much Hayden likes it, he's actually sitting here entirely butt naked, but he has um, Batman socks on. Yes. That's... Yeah, he's actually butt naked with Batman socks on and grease around his eyes. A grease around his he's eyes. literally me. Uh, yeah, and he has like a little uh, uh, piercing in his ear, and it's a, it's a bat symbol. Yeah. And also on his nipples. <laughs> I was going to leave that out, but they're there. I committed to it. No, we see them, and they're really weird. <laughs> but the movie's great. I think it, it, Do you guys think it's the best Batman movie? For me, yes. Based on like, it's really close. It's like, I love Christian Bale Batman. Like, yeah. it's. I think Christian Bale Batman is the best representation of like, uh, when you watch things like, um, like the cartoon Batman or mm-hmm. like even some of the comic book Batman. Like, he is the best to sc- to screen adaptation. Mm-hmm. But this version of Batman is like down to the core of what Batman is. And it's a cool version of Batman because we haven't seen a young Batman like starting to learn the ropes as Batman. Because usually we see him, he's like been doing it for years or he's already really good at it or whatever. But this this version, to see this different side is so cool. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd say I'd say Bale Batman is more reminiscent of uh, like 90s, 2000s. Or sorry, 
90s, 80s, 70s Batman where yeah. it's like pretty dark, but like, you know, it, it's, optimistic not, it's not, at its yeah, core. it's optimistic yeah. at its core. It's not like grim Two, the 2000s to like 2010s Batman is more the uh, new uh, Robert Pattinson Batman where it's right. like grim dark. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Unbelievable shit happens, but it always keeps like this dark tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like points of levity, but that all comes from Robin's in the Batman books, but they're not in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this movie is super dark, and I love it. I hope yeah. we don't get Robin in, in the Matt Reeves movies here, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I just. What are you talking about? You don't want the boy wonder? No, not right. really. I, I want. Finn I, Wolfhard. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> I uh I think that you know like at Christian Bale's Batman has most in common with like the Conroy interpretation of the mm-hmm. character the Kevin Conroy interpretation mm-hmm. of the character and I feel like Pattinson's is like all the darkest comic books all the ones that you read and you're like Jesus this is a fucked up Batman story they just like they draw they drew on all of those to create this new interpretation of the character I mm-hmm. think he's so moody and I just think that this new movie just really nails a side of the character that I'm I'm so interested in, and I'm I'm so excited to see where it goes. And it it really just speaks to a, a part of me that has loved this character for so long, where I'm just like, oh man, this is like this is my version of Batman. I love it. Yeah, this movie makes you feel like Batman. Exactly. As, as I was saying, no, very good. I'm, I'm sitting here butt naked, just spreading the Batman love. You know, and I'm literally him. Dude, the Batcave is out in the open right now. <laughs> the cave and it's. <laughs> <laughs> um uh for my number six uh i have the unbearable weight of massive talent dude i am uh, i just gotta say before you talk about it i'm so happy this is in your list this like is, i'm so happy this movie was so much fun uh the premise of having a movie where nicholas cage plays nicholas cage oh. and pedro pascal it's this one. Yes. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is like his biggest fan. The chemistry these two have is unbeatable. It it's is off the chain. so good. Um, Paddington 2 is one of the greatest movies of all time. If it came out this year, it would be in this list. Um, Nick, I have to fill you in. There's a recurring joke throughout that movie that Paddington 2 is the best movie ever made. Yeah. They're, and- they're going through like their list of top three movies. And Pedro Pascal, his third one is... Uh, Paddington 2 and Nicolas Cage is like why is Paddington 2 so good and then he's like it made me a better man (laughs) (laughs) and there's like the ultimate payoff when Nick Cage actually watches Paddington 2 and he starts sobbing it's like so funny Paddington 2 is incredible it is so good but yeah this movie is a really good movie it's so good like it's you have to be willing to just go along with the stupidity of it like Mm -hmm. because if you know you really only need to know like as far as Nicolas Cage movies go, Face Off, um, National Treasure, mm-hmm. yeah, and like I think that's it. Honestly, there might be yeah. one other reference, but there's very few references. Um, other than the fact, like it's funny things. Like there's a moment where Pedro Pascal asks Nicolas Cage to like run and steal a truck, and <laughs> Nicolas Cage is like, "I can't do that." And he's like, "I saw you do it in National Treasure. Like I saw you in the movie do it." Um, and it's just like it's so funny. Uh, it's hilarious, and uh, the chemistry between those two is incredible. I had to put it in there. Yeah, I uh, I have a really great memory of being on the cruise ship, pretty pretty drunk at like one a.m. And I walked out to I went up to the main Lido deck to go get myself pizza. The unbearable weight of massive talent is playing on the Lido deck on the cruise ship, and I just like sat down and just like I had no intentions of sitting down and watching this movie. I was just like, oh, Nick Cage, and I was just really drunk. Middle of the sea, just watching Nick Cage. It was, Amazing. Just hits different. That sounds awesome. It's so good. 
number five. You just did number five. Mm-hmm. Batman. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Batman. yeah. I just want to reiterate that movie made me feel like Batman. That's all I had to made, say. Made you feel like him. I was. I'm him for real. It made me feel like something's in my ass. Uh. Something's in my ass. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of something's in in an ass. My number five is Babylon, and the only reason I make that ass joke, I make that ass joke because the first three minutes of of Babylon are just an elephant shitting all over someone. Nice. Uh, there was something in that elephant's ass for sure. For sure. But anyways, number five, Babylon by Damien Chazelle. Um, I went into this movie. I remember watching the trailer with you in theaters and you looked at me and you're like, you think this movie's going to be good? And I was like, I have no idea. It's going, it's going either way. It could be really great. It could be really bad. And when I sat down for this movie, it was a day off work. I didn't want to see it. Um, I literally drove into the city like, I'm either going to go to the gym or I'm going to go to Babylon. It's one or the other. Nice. Made it to yeah, the theater. Yeah. I remember that day. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to watch Babylon. Strapped in for three hours and nine minutes of pure energy. It felt like somebody was beating me over the head with a bag of cocaine. And I was just like, yes, give <laughs> give me Babylon. Damn. This movie is an adrenaline rush start to finish. It's just insanity and I'm going to be doing an episode soon with it Wesley if you've seen it in time then we'll we'll do it together but Joe asked me if I wanted to talk about it and I was like yes I'll try have, and see it tomorrow I have so much to say um, and I just I, I think that I want to leave a lot of this for that conversation but it's if Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans is a love letter to movies Babylon is also a love letter to movies and a fuck you to Hollywood it's like him mm. trying to actively destroy everything that Hollywood has done wrong while being like, but wasn't it worth it? Look at, look at cinema. Um, and I think that this movie just, it goes so many directions. It has a star studded cast and I can't get it off my mind. I can't stop thinking about all the craziness that these characters endure in, in the old, in old Hollywood. And, uh, it's basically just like if singing in the rain was on copious amount of drugs, Nice. like the story about like actors trying to transition from silent film to, to talkies. But if like if it was just pure depravity and debauchery, it's just so gross and so funny and so effective. It really works in every way for me. I really love Babylon. So you're telling me instead of going to see this movie with a bag of popcorn, I should be going to see it with a bag of cocaine. It would be most fitting. <laughs> it would be most fitting for the tone of the movie, for sure. Amazing. Um, my number five, and I'm not going to linger on this because we just talked about it a ton, was uh, The Banshees of Inishirin. Nice. Great movie. I'm surprised they made it so high up for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, like you were saying, the more I sat with it, the more I liked it. Um, it's really good. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say anything else. Yeah. yeah, we already talked about it. There's a whole podcast about it. Yeah, but. We, was, we was chatting. We was chatting. All right, number four. Number four, um, to continue the trend of uh, Hayden talking about my movies before me, uh, The Barbarian. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, best horror movie of the year. Yeah. Oh, I'm like really interested in your thoughts on this because I know you loved it, and we, but we've talked about it so briefly. Well, we can't really talk about it much on the podcast. That's true. We, it, we'd have to get into straight spoilers. It kind of ruins the movie. Yeah, um, and it is one of those ones you should go into blind. It yeah. works better that way. You should. It's on Disney Plus. You should check it out. Just know it is fucking insane. It makes you feel kind of weird. It's a gross movie. I I think uh, it's pretty. I don't know. The gore is like almost comedic when it does happen and it's, right. it's few of our between but there's gross shit that happens that isn't gore related that you, you should be ready for if you have a weak stomach i wouldn't watch this movie um the main character is really great justin long is the most comedically like uh dislikable guy of all time yeah in this movie i think to the point where like 
You almost like him because you know it's like so fucked. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks so bad that, that you're kind of just like, I don't know. Maybe he's not so bad. And, and right when you think he's gonna have a redemption, he throws the main character off a fucking water tower, and you're like, okay, Insane. never Insane. mind. He doesn't have shit. He's a bastard boy. I love how yeah no like without spoiling the scene that precedes that he's like I don't know maybe I'm a bad person maybe I'm a good person who's done bad things but I'm determined to find my redemption I'm determined to not let this be who I am and then he just immediately back to the character he's been the whole movie yeah, it's yeah. so funny it's really funny it was like because he's like talking all this shit and then when he sees like and he's in the face of like real danger again he goes alright no I'm a bitch I'm <laughs> a like, little pussy I'm out of here yeah nah this is me yeah, I, I think it's a really good movie. Worth a watch if you like horror at all. It's also um, like a directorial debut from Zack Kreger. Like the fact that this oh, really? was like his first movie. I'm like, dude, what do you got going on in that head up there? Mm. Anyway, Hayden, what's your number four? Number four, um, and I won't linger on this one too long because it's been talked about on our podcast, is uh, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is just a movie that really hit me in my emotional core. It's like if Babylon is my no- funny enough, four and five are both movies about Hollywood. Um, Ayo. I, I didn't Based. intend. For, I didn't intend for this Based. to happen. <laughs> but if Babylon is a a carefree, chaotic trip into the like most disgusting, void of any empathy side of Hollywood, um, this is the opposite. This movie is a very intimate, personal story from Spielberg, and it kind of is just making the argument of just like Steven Spielberg became the greatest director of all time instead of just going to therapy. Like he really could have just gone to therapy, but instead he was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this instead. And I think that it's such an effective family drama. Uh, it hits you right in your heart. It hits you right in your core. But at the same point in time, it is a really beautiful homage to movies. And it's a really, just a great perspective of one of our most important filmmakers in, in his life. Um, we've talked a lot about it. We did a long episode on it and we got into it. I know you didn't like it nearly as much as I did, but for me, this is just one of the biggest wins of, of 2022. It's so emotionally impactful, and it's so... Um, it's just... Yeah, I was just really affected by this movie, and I just, like, had to throw it on here. Eh. Mid. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Wesley does give it to me. Base. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I know that you like this movie, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, mid. No, I'm just kidding. I, I just think uh, Steven Spielberg, if this was his last movie ever, I'd be fine with it. Thankfully, it's not. We're getting more from him. But, man, just what a king. What a king telling his own life through the lens than which only he could. And I, I just think it also has one of my favorite final shots in like years. I love it. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, my number four uh, is The Whale with Bruin and Frazier. I haven't seen this one yet. I'm so sad I didn't get to watch this one and lock it into my list. I, I feel the exact same way about Babylon. I feel yeah, like there's a, really, there's a really good chance it could have been Glass in Onion wasn't going to be on this list yeah, if I fair. saw Babylon. It really, in my head, was like, do I see Babylon or do I see The Whale before we do this episode? And I was like, that The was, Whale. I had the same choice, and I thought, The Whale looks better, mm-hmm. for me at least. And it, it really was incredible. Um, yeah. Brennan Fraser blew me away. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, because it's fairly new, and it's also like really hard to watch for a lot of people. Um, big Oscar front. It is, big Oscar it is rough, yeah. Um, but it's like only in select theaters. It's only playing in one theater here in Nova Scotia. Um, so I really love this movie. Um, this is a story of a uh, English teacher or, and a writer who uh, is like due to his own mental issues and things going on in his life. Um, he's separates himself from his family and is trying to reconnect with his daughter years later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's such a compelling movie uh a movie that only happens in one place uh he's a very obese man and he stays in his house um and so the entire movie happens in his house but wow uh incredible moments from brendan fraser so heartfelt um so many great moments where i was like uh really contemplating my own life thinking about the things there's a moment in the trailer where brendan fraser says something along the lines of like uh people People are are amazing they're amazing they're incapable of not caring and i think that's so true yeah regardless of how much of an asshole somebody is they are incapable of not caring at least a little bit Mm -hmm. um and it's so interesting to watch this movie um and to think about it like i've been thinking about it for days trying to just like decipher what it's really trying to say and for me it's just like that idea of how like honesty is one of those things that many people uh stay away from because it can often be very hurtful but at the same time it is the most real thing you will ever hear from anyone is honesty Mm -hmm. um and there's nothing like being honest uh and the things that that can do for people whether it's negative or positive like Mm -hmm. is so important um so i just really love this movie i think brendan fraser absolutely killed it um and kudos to him for wearing that that whole like the whole fat suit and everything it is when you see it in the movie it is insane how much stuff he is carrying on his yeah, body. Yeah, it it was probably like a miserable shooting experience. Like when he stood up for the first time in the movie, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah, it's imposing. Yeah, it's insane. And um, like I can't speak. I know that that's actually given it a lot of controversy. Is the whole fat suit aspect of it all? Uh, I can't speak on. It. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I know that I've have heard these arguments about people being like. The movie's a little problematic. I don't know if it is. How do you feel about that? As someone who has not dealt or struggled with that, I can't really say. Mm-hmm. But personally, I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think it very much is a... Uh, it explains his character very well. And I think it fits his character very well. And I think it makes total sense. Um, I don't want to get into it because it's going to spoil the movie. Right. Um, but I think it is very fitting. And as somebody who hasn't struggled with that, um i can't really say but i had zero problems with it and i thought it made perfect sense nice okay i'm so glad to hear you love this movie so much i know brendan fraser is like pretty much like locked in to win that oscar this year i hope so um i i love brendan fraser and i'm so happy for him i'm so happy he's back i'm so happy he's he's doing better um he had a rough go in hollywood Mm -hmm. and i'm just really excited to see him back in movies i'm a big fan of his yeah it, it made me cry multiple times. I will also say that. Wow, okay. Yeah, same, same. You got me there then. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to go tonight then. Dude, so good. That's awesome. Nick, what do you got? Uh, number three is Bones and All. Dude, Bones yes. And all. So I, I, I have this in my honorable mentions. Uh, I really like Bones and All, but I, I want to hear your perspective on it because we, we've talked briefly about it in like small doses, but I've never really heard like wh- how you love it as much. So yeah, what did you love about Bones and All? So, the reason I love Bones at all is, I don't think it's, like, the best movie of all time, but it's the things I like in a movie. Mm -hmm. I like romance, I like coming of age, and I like weird circumstances, like, just, like, weird twists in movies. So, the the first, like, the main two characters are called Eaters, which are basically cannibals uh, crossed with vampires, in the sense where, like, 
they need to eat flesh. They don't turn other people into eaters, but like they like will die if they don't eat flesh. Basically, they can't control it. It's like an urge that they can't help, and um, so they are just like disenfranchised to disenfranchise youths. It's Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell, two of my favorite young actors in Hollywood. Yeah, and they're just traveling across the country and they're trying to make it work. They're trying to. I don't know, figure out what they can do to help it. And uh, the turning point in this movie comes, and this is a spoiler. Have you guys seen it? I've seen it. I um, haven't, but go for it. Um, They are at this circus in like the middle of nowhere, and they find this guy, and Timothy lowers him into like the cornfield, and he like slits his throat, and they start eating his corpse, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's like the first time they murder. Or that's the first time the female lead played by taylor Larson. Uh, her name's Marin. that's the first time she murders someone before that she would just like follow her senses and like she can tell when people were dying and she would eat them after they died of natural causes damn and this is like the first time like the hunger took over and like she killed someone or was at least witness to it so what they do is they take his car they they, they rob them after they kill that's how they keep like living financially mm-hmm. they rob them like Robin Robin's car and they go to drive home and they see uh he has a family and kids. Mm-hmm. They try and justify it by going after people that suck, quote unquote, you know. Yeah, but they at this in this time they just took like the first person they had a chance to and they both more so Marin, Marin like runs away. She's like I can't do this anymore. She leaves uh Timothy and there's about like a 3 3 month time skip and they realize like you know what? we are meant to be together but we need to find a way. And I, I love the idea of like young love finding a way to make it through through the, lens the crazy of the crazy circumstances and, and trying to grow up. And uh I don't know. The ending the one thing I was worried the whole time I was watching is the ending was gonna give them like this happy ending where like everything they did was right and they didn't do anything wrong and they're the perfect characters. But the ending ends in a way that makes sense where it's not like a happy ending. It's they're getting what they deserve. Yeah. But it's not like super grim. It's like this is what was probably right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made their mistakes and now they have to live with it. And I like it when uh, movies can acknowledge mistakes were made and consequences are dealt. But you still get a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, I agree. The movie wraps up very well and it brings yeah. it to a completely satisfying point in the story. I think it's also a real testament, and it's, a, it's so fitting that this movie is directed by Luca Guadagnino, who directed Call Me By Your Name, yeah. um, one of the great love stories done in the last 10 years as well. And so to have this dude direct a love story about two cannibals, which are like inherently very hard to root for, um, and make, make you, like you root them. for them, make you not even just root for them, but like really like them and like care about their love story, care about their feelings, and they're traveling the world and eating and killing people. Yeah. It's just, it's such a... He's he, the script is so well written because it really does put you into a situation where you really care about them and you want the best for them and then you're like, they don't deserve the best, oh, you yeah. know. Also, this movie's fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's really nasty. Like, a lot they, of slurping. Yeah, like, when, when they Ew, when they don't don't preface it with a lot, a lot of, of slurping. I mean, no, he's, there he's is. being honest. When they when they eat the people, they eat the people. Damn, it's fucking gross. Yeah, it's, it's not like a cannibal movie in the sense where it's just like somebody gets killed and then you like see blood on their face afterwards. Like the, you, you see it. You see a lot of it. It's disgusting. Ew. Really great movie. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's rated R for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about you, Hayden? What's your number three? Oh, man. What a tone shift. Um, my number three is After Sun, directed by Charlotte Wells. Mm. Um, I haven't seen this one. 
Yeah, don't. I won't. I, I won't go too crazy. Yeah, I'll be I very really careful see here. This. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. And I want everybody to check this out because this is. It's just starting to get released on like now you can like rent it and such. It's been in theaters can. for the last few months. You can you can rent it come January seventeenth. You can only buy it right now. You can now. only buy it right it's now. Really weird. Um but anyways, this movie is about a father and a daughter who go on a on a vacation, a two week vacation. Um, but you're actually seeing the memories. You're seeing this woman as a grown woman, it's intercut with her at a nightclub and she's remembering all these memories she has with her father. And the movie makes it very clear, so this isn't a spoiler to say, it's her last memory with her father. It's the last time she she, she remembers being in his presence. Um, and it's incredibly beautiful. It's, it's, I've never seen a movie so effectively capture the way that our memories work. Like this movie, everything's very blurry and hazy, and it's because she's filming everything on this old camera. And so you're seeing her actual memories kind of intercut with like the videos that she filmed while on this vacation with her father. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an effective look at how kids aren't able to recognize real emotion in their parents, how we kind of look at our parents as these perfect people who do everything for us. And then we don't really consider them as their own individuals. Right. Yeah. And this movie's all about this girl coming to a realization about like the fact that like, People can be in pain. Your, your parents can be in pain. And like, it's not every, nothing's that easy. They're just kind of trying their best. Um, I think it's so beautiful. And I just, I've cried, I cried multiple times while watching it. I want to, I've rewatched it twice. Um, well, I've rewatched it another time. So I've seen it twice. Sorry. You've but seen it twice and I twice. still haven't seen it. I'll watch it again, man. This movie Gosh. is, is really just an astounding achievement. Another directorial debut on my list here where I'm just like, holy shit. She directs emotion with like years of experience and this is her first movie i just I'm, i was so stunned by it. i think paul mescal is an actor i'm really unfamiliar with but after watching after sun i just want him in everything he, this mm -hmm. movie just has such a tragic but like beautiful and kind of hopeful tone to it and i was just broken by it it just really got to me it's i've never seen a movie perceive memories and how we how our memories work and kind of operate in our own brain and how it leads us to misleading places in our own in our own head mm -hmm. um that's my little deep rant but that that's after sun. It's just so, so touching. So beautiful. We'll have to eventually talk about it once I yeah, see it. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. Once January 17th rolls around. <laughs> yeah, when you can finally rent it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not paying $14 just to watch a movie once. That's so annoying. You guys would both really, really like this movie, though. Yeah. It's really affecting. Um, My number three is, we already talked about this bunch. I'm not going to talk about it very long. Batman. Nice. Uh, nice Batman's nice. so good. I had to put it in number three because I love superheroes. I love this kind of stuff. Um, MCU has been holding me down lately, and then this came out, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm D all DC all the way." I yeah. saw Black Adam, I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the hierarchy unchanged. Yeah, but the still. next next one is number two is actually Black Adam for me. I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, number three, Batman, so good, so amazing. Um, yeah, lots of lots has been said. Yeah, lot has been said. But check out the episode where we talk about Batman. Fantastic movie, so good. Number two, Nick. We're getting there. We're almost there. The Whale. Ayo. Ayo. Nice. Uh, that movie is genuinely beautiful. Uh, little comment, because I didn't say anything earlier about the fat phobic thing. Mm. People are just straight up fucking wrong. Yeah. It's like a yeah. wrong, just a wrong take. Genuinely. It's a bad take. Mm -hmm. as, as a guy who struggled with weight for most of my life, I, someone wearing a fat suit should not fucking bother you. If it bothers you that much, then you need to reflect on yourself as a person. Mm. I don't know. 
if maybe, you, I think maybe the that's harsh. Like, I think the difference is making fun of someone in a movie who has a fat suit on. If it's like, like fucking Medea goes to school where she's like wearing a big old fat suit, they're like, look at this fat bitch. Yeah, they're that's not. a problem. They're not. They're like, look at this man in the twilight of his life who is so stubborn to spend any of the money that he saved for his daughter. And all he wants is to make a connection with her before she passes away. Because, as you've seen even in the trailer, he wants to know he's done one thing good with his life. Yeah. Because at this point, he looks at his life as a failure. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. Because I feel like, I don't know. It's a pretty it's, universal thing that people can tap into. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to see. I don't know. It's very easy to get lost in negative emotion mm-hmm. and to look at your life uh, from your own perspective and be like, I'm a piece of shit. I have failed. Thus point in my life, I have failed. And that's what this movie hits on. It wants yeah. people to be able to watch the movie and be like, wow, fuck. Mm-hmm. Really make you think about your life and what we've done sort of thing. Yeah, and, and, it, and it hurts yeah. to, to have to do those, uh, have those reflective moments in your life. And uh, I think it's important. Yeah. I'm and so happy to hear you guys love this so much. That's so exciting. I really can't wait to check it out. Here's a comment that I heard that bugged me. Uh, I heard someone say, oh, the movie's like, okay, but the performance is really good. Motherfucker. <laughs> the entire movie is taking place inside his apartment except for two shots. Yeah. The entire movie is one long fucking Brendan Fraser performance. Mm-hmm. If the performance is good, the movie is good, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Literally. I Yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because... If you're saying, like, the performance is, like, good, but the movie just sucked. It's like, if he, he was, is the movie. If he was a side character who was in it for ten minutes, sure, he's not. He's the, the main movie, character. The movie is two hours. He's, a, he's like, the focal point for an hour and 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. I just needed to say that because I, I read that in, like, a review. Had to rant. Yeah, man. I, this dude gave it, like, a three out of five. And I was like, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But if that's your reason, you're a fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. And, I mean, the thing, too, is, like, Brendan Fraser is the only person who can portray a character with such an astounding sense of empathy. The whole world has empathy towards Brendan Fraser because everybody knows what he's been through in Hollywood. And if you don't, I, I advise looking it up. It's pretty sad. Mm-hmm. But... He's basically um, been shit on the whole time, his entire career. Yeah, he got blacklisted for being the first male celebrity to speak up about being sexually assaulted by Hollywood. And, oh, really? Like, completely black- I didn't know that. Yeah, completely blacklisted. He got sexually assaulted at a Golden Globes lunch, and it ruined his life. And when he tried to say something about it, the Golden Globes gaslit him and made him look insane in front of the entire world. Yeah. Jesus. It's really fucked up. Can I um, just say, though, that the top uh, review for this movie... It says, it's the fucking renaissance, baby. Let's yes, fucking let's go. go. Renaissance <laughs> is, is here. It is the renaissance. I think he's... I haven't seen the movie yet, but if the whole goal of the movie is to create this feeling of empathy and this this understanding with the lead character... There's no Brendan better guy. Fraser is the perfect guy for casting. Yeah. yeah, like he's perfect. Everybody loves him and has grown up with him and, and feels the pain he feels. So I think I'm really excited to see The Whale, and I'm so glad it's so high up on your list. Yeah, so good. Number two, Hayden. I think we have the same number two. I think our next two are. I think the our exact next two same. are the same. Yeah. So we'll just do Hayden and I will do number two together, and then we'll all do number one. We all all of our number all one. All the same number one. one. Okay, number two, Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yeah, baby. I haven't seen that movie. Oh man, what a what a fantastic movie. What a heartfelt feel good movie. Yeah. Cooper Rafe cementing himself as just one of my favorite filmmakers working right now within two movies. I'm just like wow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is the same age as us, and so he gets it. Insane. He, he understands. He, what? Yeah, he's He might 20, be a year or two older, but... I think he's like 24, maybe. Yeah, and so he understands those feelings, that that confliction that you feel in your early 20s. And in particular, I, I haven't gone to college, and I haven't come home from college, because I haven't gone. Mm-hmm. But this movie taps into this thing that you really related to, of like the idea of like when you finish college, what the fuck do you do with your life? Yeah. Um, And I think Cooper Rafe, is a great actor he's a great writer he's a great director but dakota johnson is really just so likable even if her character is slightly like a manic pixie dream girl in this movie mm-hmm. she's so good in this role and uh, i just feel like the script is just so impactful in it's in so regards good. to being funny in regards to pulling the tears this movie has a kick-ass soundtrack i like, i could just go on about every single thing but wesley you, you speak on it a little bit no, we wanted movie, to do a pod on it this movie is so good we want to do a pod on it we haven't done one yet because it isn't out it or is now out. it is out. it is yeah on and apple so, tv so maybe we'll oh, do uh i know right yeah maybe we'll do a pod uh in the new year um but yeah it, this movie is so good like cooper rafe he was talking about how he didn't intentionally mean for him to be like the main character or to act in it but i'm so glad he did because he is so likable um and so genuine throughout all of it um the way that he talks to his fucking stepdad is hilarious it's really funny um greg ugh. and they still even then even though it's incredibly funny they give him an arc with that character they do and it's it just goes back everything comes around in this movie yeah it's so good and if like if you have any connection to like having a younger sibling or any connection to like uh growing up and then, like, leaving your hometown and coming back and seeing your friends. If you have any connection to, like, a broken family that is trying to rebuild itself. Like, anything like that, mm-hmm. you will connect with this movie so hard. And, and as someone who um, only relates, like, one of those things, um, I still... This movie hit me so hard. Yeah. I I don't think I've related to a movie as hard as I related to Cha-Cha Real Smooth in, like, a really long time. Like, I, this movie, I, I was, like... Oh, shit. I'm being yeah. called out right now. Really good. Very good. Watch it. Uh, it's on Apple TV. We'll have an episode about it soon. But. Yeah. Even here, I'm just like, no, no, wait. I have more. To, like, It's just one of those movies. Yeah, we'll do but an episode about it. We'll do a whole episode because that's what it deserves. It deserves a whole episode. I adored this movie. And I'm so glad that people can now have the chance to check it out. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, guys. Number one. We did The it. collective number one of 2022. Here it is, baby. Everything, everywhere, all, all at, at once. once. Black Panther. Oh shit! <laughs> Black Adam. Oh, oh yeah. There you go. Oh, the good movie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Sorry, so oh, man, good. Is this at this point has it become kind of the cliche pick? Has it become most people's number one pick? Yes. Sure. Do I care? <laughs> Absolutely nope. not. There's a reason why it's most people's number one pick. Yeah, man. Um, we so we've been talking a lot about movies that have the whole package, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just said that about Chacha Real Smooth, but like, I don't think there's a finer example than Everything Everywhere All at Once. This if Chacha Real Smooth movie. has the whole package, Everything Everywhere All at Once has the whole package with a little bow on top. Yes, like shit is good. Yes, this is an action movie. This is a movie about a family trying. This is a movie with incredibly weird sense of humor, like hot dog fingers and butt plugs activating people's ability to turn into John Wick. Okay, yeah. there's there's one problem. One problem with this movie. What is it? They did the hot dog finger bit a little, like, like tw- you know two, what? I two actually times can agree too much. I can agree with that. <laughs> and the, literally, Be- when I say the only problem, that's the only problem, is they do yeah. one comedic bit, like, a couple too many two times. times too many, and it just, it's just because it's, like, a little gross. It just doesn't, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But and that's it. Yeah. Everything else other is than perfect. That, yeah, other than that, everything is amazing about this movie. And like, I need to watch it again because I wanted to watch it before this, but I didn't get around to it. Didn't have the chance. Uh, but it's on Amazon Prime. I just got a new sound system for Christmas. Baby, I just got this. I just got this on 4K. I yes. got everything everywhere now on disc. I'm gonna re- revisit it like every week. Yeah. yeah. So I really got to rewatch it. Um, it's phenomenal. So, it does the multiverse better than Doctor Strange could ever dream. I know. Oh fuck! Couldn't yeah. even come close. Doctor Strange existed this year. Yeah, it did. Retroactively, that was my least favorite movie I've seen this year. There you Damn. go. Sorry, just saying it. There you go. Fucking Damn. hated that movie. Movie Call out the like MCU. Look, I'm just saying, if you've got a movie that has a fucking universe that has hot dog fingers that is better than your multiverse-centered movie, mm-hmm. yeah, yikes, like, brother. Like, yikes. and the hot dog finger thing alone is better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, the worst uh, part of this movie is better than Doctor Strange. Think about it. <laughs> that's true, actually. We're calling out the MCU right We're now. We're really on that. Um, they fucking suck. I think Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Asu, and Kiwi Kwan, these performances all deserve so much love. In particular, Michelle Yeoh, who is going to be in the Best Actress race. Will she win? I don't know. Kate Blanchett's giving her a run for her money. Yeah. But, um, like, this such a beautiful performance. And it's, like, such a fantastic character arc of somebody who is so drowned out by the noise in life and the chaos of life and has really just become bitter towards their, all the things that they should find value in. And using the multiverse to explore a family finding their way to each other again it shouldn't work this well, but yeah. it, but it does. In fact, there's scenes that I will see pop up on TikTok, and I'll just start crying. I'm like, this movie, just it pulls all all the punches. It's really not afraid to just hit you with everything, everywhere, everywhere. all at once. All at once. You know, uh, you know, a movie's fire when the line in another life. I would have really liked just doing laundry and taxes with you. That's my favorite Is the line most ever. like emotionally <laughs> resonant line of the Bro, year. You're about That's to make facts. me cry over here. I know. Also, the scene with Kiwi Kwan just he's like, we just need to be good. I don't know. I don't know what. Just be kind. Just, we gotta just be kind to each other, mm-hmm. which is so such a simple message, and it's so fucking true. I just feel like if everybody was just like ten percent kinder to each other. This would just be a nicer world to live Life in. Life would be better. Yeah, and maybe we would be able to reach the maximum power. I just touched my toe against Nick's toe. Had to acknowledge Y'all that. Y'all playing footsies over there. I know, we're playing footsies. Anyways, I do think that this movie just <laughs> has such a universal truth to it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we okay. just played, me, me and Wesley, I, I felt like he was left out, so I had to play footsies. Gotta go for him as well. And then we just giggled. Yeah, <laughs> I were living with the tea. And it took over. The footsies took over. Sorry. That's all good, bro. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> In another life, in another life, I would have really, really liked playing just, footsies with yeah. you. In another life, I would really just liked recording podcasts and playing footsies with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I find myself. I, I think the episode's incredible, and I'm so glad we did it with Joe. But I find myself occasionally bitter that our episode on everything, everywhere, all at once doesn't exist on our podcast feed. No, you gotta go check um, out. Uh, you gotta go check out the Kyber Culture. It's over there. Kyber Culture's everything, everywhere, all at once episode. Remarkable episode. Incredible podcast. Uh, great guy, but. Handsome, very handsome guy. <laughs> yeah, good I, looking. I, I think that I'm so sad that that's not our episode because it's such a good episode and it's for my favorite movie of the year. But yeah. absolutely, go check out that episode. Um, I could talk about this movie for so long, but I really just think it's so beautiful. It's, it's so funny. Good. It's uh, just so powerful and affecting. Mm-hmm. Great performances. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, I want like I don't know. I could keep talking about it for ages. But... Would we have ever thought that this movie when we watched it in April? Would we have ever thought that not only would this be getting as much love as it is, 
but it's like one of the front runners for the Oscars this year. To be honest, I remember leaving the theater and being like, that was probably the greatest movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I felt the same. I, I, I was left, completely taken by it. I left the theater and we was like, oh, that's like movie of the year contender. I didn't think it would do so well in the Academy. Yeah. I know, right? Like, th- this movie's weird and, like, really not up to their taste. And so it's really funny that it's, like, just dominating the conversation so much. Well, I think it's weird, but it's also, like, undeniably, like, the GOAT. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the GOAT of all time. What can I say? It's, yeah. it's the greatest it, of all time of all time. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys feel like, um, how many times have you seen the movie? Once. Really? Okay. I've only seen it once. I'm depraved then. It still is impacting. Actually, twice. Twice in theaters. I saw it in IMAX. Uh, My second watch was in IMAX. My third watch was at home with my family. And my fourth watch was by myself crying on my watching my 4K disc of it. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Very uh, oblique drop off there, man. Yo, you you okay, brother? Therapy exists right now. (laughs) Therapy be helping, but it doesn't help as much as everything. Nah, man. Fuck therapy. Why would I go to therapy when I could just pay $6 at a cheap night and watch a movie in the theater and cry? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. The power of movies. My therapy is called Cineplex Park Lane. (laughs) 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 And that's where I go for therapy. Um, do you yeah. have anything? Do you guys have anything else you want to say about everything everywhere or about any movies? I I don't think so. Um, I think this was a really good year for movies. I think there were some really good movies and some really not good movies. Yeah. I think there was not very many just like okay movies. True, I agree. I think it was very polarizing this year, and I hope that in the future uh, or in this new year that we are now in. That we get lots of great movies. There's a lot of good ones that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for the Oppenheimer Barbie double feature. Yeah, it's gonna be nuts. That's so fucking it's gonna funny. go so dumb. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um, did anybody any honorable mentions? I have a couple. I know we're like really late into this episode, so I'm just gonna spelt them off like yeah, rapid fire. Um, I just don't think I got across the point how much I fucking hate Doctor Strange. That movie fucking sucks. <laughs> it's such a piece of shit. You movie. hate it. You hate it the way I hate Thor: Love and Thunder. I think. Yeah. I hate it probably more. I have never been. So- it just fucking sucks. It looks like dog shit. Like I don't even like Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange anymore. Like it, I think like, it, ruined I think the character. I think it's a bad performance of this. I don't like it. Whatever. Damn man, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm yeah, done. <laughs> I like Sam Raimi a lot, and so I think that when Sam Raimi is, is allowed to cook in this movie, it's pretty effective. But he's not allowed to cook for very long. The MCU is like, hey, Sam, do a couple Sam Raimi things. And then he's like, all right. And then they're like, they let him cook, but then they give him a frying pan and like an actual human turd. And they're like, cook (laughs) with no ingredients. (laughs) Like there's some there's some fun evil dead homages in that final act. But the fact that I'm coming out of a Marvel movie, a Doctor Strange movie, like it likes evil dead. That was pretty cool. Yeah, but it's it's like there's an evil dead reference at like the final act, but the final act also like looks like dog shit for no reason. That's true. There's no way that you have a budget that big and it looks that bad. That's a real problem with all their CGI at this point actually. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened. It's rough. Um no, I don't hate that movie the way you do, but I do hate Thor and Love and Thunder the way you hate that movie. So we do we see eye to eye somewhere there. Um honorable mentions. I'm going to spout some off really quick. Sure. I got a couple too that I'll spout off after you. Cool. After Yang with Colin Farrell, directed by Koganada. Um, just a really beautiful movie, again, about memories, but told through the perspective of, like, of AI and like a futuristic kind of very lo-fi sci-fi movie. This movie mm-hmm. is very uninterested in being a sci-fi movie. It is interested in exploring how robots and their memories might work the same way humans might. And it's pretty much saying what defines a human, what makes a human. Colin Farrell um, had a great year. Great year for Colin Farrell. The Penguin and Batman, Banshees of Inisherin. And then this, just a really good year. Dude's popping off. Um, second one I want to rec- uh, to shout out, The Fallout with Jenna Ortega. Um, 
Everybody's freaking out about Jenna Ortega right now. Mm. Rightfully so. She's just great. Who are you, Pete Davidson? Mm, I like X with Jenna Ortega, too. Mm, I'm Pete Davidson. Mm. Pete Davidson, <laughs> he's out here. Um, but everybody with Wednesday, everybody's freaking out about Jenna Ortega. They're talking about her. And to that, I would say, I don't think anybody's seen what she's capable of until they've watched The Fallout. Because Jenna Ortega, very fun performer. Played in a lot of very fun movies, doing a lot of horror stuff. The Fallout is is a movie about somebody who survives a school shooting. Um, oh, Jesus. It's, it's very Whoa. off the rip, like a, a, a intense premise. But through that premise, um, it navigates the actual highs and lows in life. It's not this bleak misery fest of like pain. It's really navigating the fact that in the aftermath of this, she's going to have moments where she's laughing with her friends and smiling. And then she's going to have moments where she's at rock bottom. And I think the way it goes about navigating the friendships that open up after that for her um, and the just the way it respectfully portrays the gravity of that situation while also being like no human being's life is defined to like pure misery or pure joy, right? And yeah. I think the way that she she really you watch her character navigate this in like real time is like there's funny parts in this movie, but there's incredibly sad parts in this movie. And I think that it handles that premise very well. Jenna Ortega deserves more credit for this performance because she's so good in it. Um, other one I'm going to recommend. Glass Onion, enough said. Uh, yeah. Senior, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s new documentary that he made about his father. He, oh, is that out? It's out. It's on Netflix, and That'd it's be. very, very moving. Um, he His dad is is passing away, and he wants to make a documentary about him to honor his, his life as a filmmaker because his dad was a, a very popular, not popular, but an indie director in the 70s and everything like that. So he wants to make a documentary about his dad. His dad refuses to let him do it unless he can direct his own version of his documentary. So his, you're seeing Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective in the documentary he's making about his father and then also his father's own de- documentary about his life. And they're kind of cutting and fusing together at the same time. That's um, cool. It's just a really good father-son movie. It's a really good movie about like grappling with loss. It's just really effective. I was really moved by it. Last one I'm going to recommend is Bones and All. And again, enough said. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick talked about it and kind of pinned down everything I loved about that movie. Um, I'm just going to spout off a couple really quickly too. Uh, Shadow Turning Red amazing movie. nice yeah, so yeah. good um emily the criminal if you guys m- many people probably haven't seen that one it's out now it's out now mm-hmm. a really good uh really good movie um uh what was the other one i had elvis just popped out i was like elvis no <laughs> yeah you didn't like elvis <laughs> no um bullet train bullet train is such a fun ride it's nothing crazy it's nothing amazing but it is a very fun movie it's had like, an do, absolute blast. Do you yeah. want to watch Brad Pitt hit, hit somebody over the head with a suitcase on a train? Because if so, that'll yes. that'll do it. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Elvis is also dog shit. Just want yeah, to throw that. Elvis there. is not good. Uh, this is the year of Tom Hanks being in bad movies. I know. Uh, shout out Tom Hanks. Anywho, <laughs> uh, Lightyear. Shout out Light Lightyear. People didn't like that one. I loved it. I um, like Lightyear a lot too. And the Weird Al movie. Hilarious. Yeah. Wild. Insane. Uh, a good time if you watch it with a couple of friends with a couple of drinks. He smooches Madonna and he... And he... he does more than smooch Madonna in that movie. Good for him. <laughs> good for him. Weird Al and Madonna, way. power couple. Smooches Madonna, kills uh, the the Mexican cartel. It's great. It's uh, great. So I have I have two honorable mentions, very similar in vibe. Uh, uh, X and Puss mm-hmm. in Boots. Did Dude. you see Puss in Boots? Yeah, it's unreal. I've heard it's amazing. I gotta like, watch it. It's like for no reason. I haven't met a human being who's watched it yet, there's, but I've heard it's there, incredible. Honest to God, I probably should have put it above Glass Onion. <laughs> I probably Bro, liked it more. Yeah, hey, I, you could. It's not oh too man. late. 
I probably definitely liked it more than last <laughs> But I just like it was like, ah, it's pretty goofy. I want no, to derail with the start. I actually heard that like heard of all the movies in theaters right now, Puss in Boots is like the highest rated. Oh, it's amazing. Dude, it's, it's, it's fucking like, a four point one on Letterbox. Right I think now. it's got like a ninety eight or something in Rotten Tomatoes. No, it's, like it's fucking rocks. I'm like I, I wish I was joking. I'll see it again. <laughs> like I liked it a lot. Alright, we're leaving this pod and we're gonna yeah, go guys, watch Puss the in Boots. The villain is That's... really good. Yeah. Like, the villain is unironically, like, really intimidating. Man, that's exciting. For, like, a kid's movie. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for... Uh, thank you again, Nick, for joining us uh, on this amazing uh, stroll through Megapod. 2022. Megapod. Megapod. Long episode, uh, but worth it. Um, what if instead of Puss in Boots, it was Piss and Bitch? Sorry. Keep going. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Not funny, know. didn't laugh. Um <laughs> But yeah, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Uh, if you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast. Um, and our individual Instagrams, I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kudras, and it is the same name on our letterbox if that app is working by the time you hear this episode. Yeah. So thank you guys so much uh, for listening to this episode and all our episodes this year. Uh, we really appreciate you checking us out. Uh, hanging around listen to us talk about movies whether they're super dumb or super interesting yeah um and we will see you guys in the new year with yeah. lots more movie reviews but for right now we're gonna go watch puss and boots i think that we're gonna make that happen yeah. 2022 has been a wild movie year um nick thank you for being here thank you everyone who's listened throughout this wild wild year um till next time yeah. mike tyson puss and boots impression puss and boots <laughs>